Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Action Network Podcast. I'm just about that action, boss. Most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. <laughs> Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Welcome into the Action Network podcast, everybody. Your week 14 NFL recap. It is great to have you with us. Sunday Night Football has just wrapped up. Past midnight on the East Coast, we had six teams on the bye, so 11 games on this Sunday. Brendan Glasheen and Brandon Anderson to deliver the pod tonight. We are presented by FanDuel. We will discuss Monday night football later in the show. Patriots at Cardinals in Glendale, Arizona. And we will also get to the hot read, which is a look ahead to next week, week 15, trying to get a sense of where some lines might be at. There are Saturday games next week, so that's fun. But we have a lot to dive into from today and tonight. Brandon, just you and me, Jill's out. Jill's out this week, not feeling too well. We wish Jill well. This was the end of bye weeks. So this was Jill's last chance to take a bye week as well. We had six teams off, went out at a seventh. That's a great way of putting it. Perfect but I'll be out next week just to get that out of the way. So (laughs) I'll be in Vegas for Patriots Raiders. Anyway, Chargers, Dolphins, Tua V, Justin Herbert, the two guys that were (laughs) talked about at the draft, Brian Flores wanted him, but it turns out the owner or the GM wanted the other guy. Tua is looking in the mirror with Mike McDaniel. Do I suck? And I don't know tonight was, is this a night where Tua might go back to the hotel in Los Angeles and think, uh oh, maybe I was on to something. 10 of 28 in this game. The Chargers win 23 17, late field goal, onside kick. It got dicey there at the end, but the Chargers were pretty much in control of this game start to finish. Austin Eckler was phenomenal. Herbert made some beautiful throws. Chargers cover and went outright. Yeah, I mean, the Chargers tried to charger this thing up at the end of the game. The onside <laughs> kick. The guy like reached out and batted the ball away from him and somehow the Chargers still recover. Before that, uh, the field goal that put him up nine, Justin Herbert fumbles the snap down at like the five-yard line or something. I mean, the Chargers absolutely dominated this game. They're in the red zone six times. Like This is not a six-point game. This 
this for anyone other than the Chargers, this is like a comfortable 21 point win. But it's the Chargers. We got to keep things interesting. Man, Miami, just an awful, awful showing from this offense. The Dolphins didn't reach the red zone. They didn't take a single snap in Chargers territory until the third quarter. Yeah. And they never, ever took a snap inside the 37 in this game. So they finished. You, you mentioned the, the yardage here. 219 yards for for uh, Miami for the game. And that includes a 60-yard touchdown where the defender fell down and a 63-yard touchdown where one of the weirdest touchdowns I've seen, like a pass, a fumble, the ball squirts out. And then, of course, who is a fall to? But Tyree Kill is like an end around and he's just gone off to the races. Like, I think we all expected a penalty or someone was down or something was coming back on that. Mm-hmm. That's it. Other than that, those two fluke plays, 96 yards from this offense that has been throttling people against the Chargers defense that honestly hasn't been very good. But uh, I, I think Brandon Staley watched film from the Niners game last week. You take away the middle of the field, you jam those speedy receivers at the line. It didn't feel like there were a lot of answers here. So I guess what I'm wondering, and I don't know if I know the answer yet, is this a Mike McDaniel thing? He didn't seem to have a lot of answers. Or is this a Tua thing? Because, man, Tua looked like he was seeing ghosts out there. He had six completions the entire game until that last drive. He had a horrendous first half, three of 15 at the half, 25 yards, 1.7 yard per attempt at halftime. He just, he does not look comfortable. The ball is going all over the place. The timing is off. The accuracy is gone. It, I feel like I'm watching like Chuck Knobloch out here. You got the yips, just can't get the ball to anyone. So what do you think? Is this Tua? Is is this uh, McDaniel? How bad was this? Oh, it's, it's, it's kind of a combination, I would imagine. Now, they lost Jeff Wilson in this game. He didn't return. Tyree Kill was banged up. They kept showing him on the sideline on the Sunday Night Football NBC broadcast. They could never get into any rhythm. But to your point, that's two straight weeks. Or is it just one of those things where Miami is not – quite mediocre but they're good enough to just beat bad teams pittsburgh at home at lions at bears home browns home texans and of course the browns with jacoby Brissett, which maybe he was better off at the time uh i don't know <laughs> is it inferior competition also that that could just be it too and they they've they've played two teams chargers granted they charger often they haven't been too consistent defensively but that team's got pieces on defense they do have pieces, but honestly, the pieces were mostly missing today. Joey yeah, Bosa yeah, is out. Yeah. Derwin James is out. JC Jackson is out. Jackson. That defense had no business being like, I thought Miami would hang a big number here. The The Chargers normally don't get any pass rush, and they normally give up huge explosive passing plays. That's like what they're known for. So there were a lot of, a lot of trends and sharps that liked Miami for that reason here. But I don't know. The Dolphins now fall to eight and five. So they're the sixth seed. The Chargers and they're, and they're, and they're, and they're two and five, just did the quick math. They are two and five against playoff teams. Yeah. And they've lost five in a row to playoff teams, Bengals, Jets, Vikings, Niners, Chargers. They had two wins early in the year at Baltimore and that Buffalo game. And those two wins you may recall were miracle wins. Both of them where they came down to these wild, crazy finishes late back at the start of the year. And we were like, Hey, Miami, they might be kind of good. Hmm. So that was when they caught teams off guard. I do. Th- I think it's a little of column A, column B, column C. It's a bunch of things. 
Yes, I do think the Tua numbers, the Tyreek numbers were inflated playing those bad defenses. We knew that was coming. Like we were on Green Dot Daily talking about Tua for MVP, Tyreek for offensive player of the year because they had this great month coming up. But mm-hmm. we knew that this other month was coming after. So it was part of that. But I do think like, I, I don't know if Tua, if it's like those hits from earlier in the season or if it's that the line is not there and he's he's hearing footsteps right now. This is not just, ooh, tougher defense now. This is not that. It's partly that, but it's more. And here's the problem. Eight and five, they're the sixth seed. Chargers move into the seventh seed for now. Miami's last four games, they go at Buffalo Saturday night. You mentioned the Saturday games Then Green Bay still tough then at New England and then the Jets. So you have three possible playoff teams. You have the Packers who were supposed to be a playoff team. Those are four losable games. They're eight and five. You probably have to win two of those to get in Mm -hmm. Two of those. That wasn't really on purpose. Anyway, I don't I don't know if the Dolphins are safe here. Uh, RIP to our two MVP ticket. I think that is done. Do the Dolphins make the playoffs? I think it's a great question and it's worth asking. You don't think Buffalo's motivated to get those guys in their place this Saturday to get some revenge from early in the year to create some separation to possibly Kansas city almost gave their game away. We'll get to that. Buffalo still in contention for that one seed based on the way you've asked that rhetorical question. I don't think you sound all that confident that they can. Yeah, I, I'm worried. I definitely, I, I don't, we don't see numbers yet up for playoff odds, but Miami to miss the playoffs is definitely a number that I need to see this week because I think that they're in some danger. And I wondered coming out of last week, you know, that when you have an offense that's on fire and then the Niners just shut them down. Okay. Did they, did they have the blueprint? Do you, is this just what you do now? Well, no, because nobody else has the Niners guys. No one else has Fred Warner and, and, you know, D'Amico Ryans and the safeties and all those guys. But the Chargers did replicate some of that. And we saw it. And we saw, like, nobody thought Tua Tagovailoa suddenly turned into Pat Mahomes this year. No one thought that. The numbers said it, but the numbers were Tua plus Tyreek and Waddle and McDaniel's system. They, they had the easy button. They were just getting those passes out to the receivers and I think we're starting to see some defenses now take away the easy button and Miami doesn't really run the ball well. And Tua doesn't have a huge arm to get those outside the, you know, on the edges throws. I think that there are some real problems, especially hit some weather games coming up here too. What about the chargers? Did you learn? I don't know if I learned anything about the chargers. To me, this was a Miami outcome tonight. We know that the chargers are going to be in it. We know that Herbert can make plays. And also we know that the chargers are going to let the other teams stay in it. Like, again, if you're a playoff team and you hold the opponent to 96 yards on all, but two of their plays, you should blow this game open. This should have been over at halftime. And it's worrisome that like Miami recovers that onside kick, a couple good plays and the chargers might lose their season here. Like they might be out if they blow that one. So I, I learned what I already thought about the Chargers, which is I, I don't want to bet on this team. I don't want to have to predict what's happening with them. Let's go to Jets and Bills. So speaking of teams in the AFC East, I see it with the Jets, Brandon. I do. I, I see what they're growing there as far as their defense. Garrett Wilson is connecting with Mike White. They're defensive oriented. They play in the spirit and the demeanor of their head coach, Robert Sala. 
They obviously probably missed, it feels like, on the quarterback in Zach Wilson, but Mike White doing his best handling his business. And they stopped the run. Buffalo had to turn to Josh Allen to go and run on his with his feet again, which I know Jill talks about that all the time, Allen having to be the guy in the run game. They limited Steph Diggs in this game, Gabe Davis, Isaiah McKenzie. Buffalo kind of just survives. The Jets do cover, though. The Jets were getting nine and a half points. Buffalo won the game 20 to 12. Yeah, I think you about nailed it. That's kind of what I saw with this Buffalo team, too. It's it's another kind of eh, performance, you know? Like, this is the Super Bowl favorite. And on the one hand, you got to win a game like this. Sometimes you don't have the big fireworks offense, and you got to just grind out a win. And the Bills controlled the game, and they ground out a win. Even though it finished 20-12, to technically a one-score victory, Buffalo is never any real threat here. Like, even if the Jets get that late, you know, late drive or whatever. Worst case scenario, you still get to stop a two-point conversion to win the game. Right. If they get that, you still get to go to overtime. Actually, you might get the ball back in regulation. Like, there were still lots of ways Buffalo probably would have won the game. So, on the one hand, yeah, you got to just get the win. And the Bills got the win. But it feels like that's what sort of win they've been getting now for, like, the last two months almost. Mm-hmm. So, I'm a little worried that... I'm, you mentioned the Josh Allen running thing. It feels like we're going to the well a little too often on that, doesn't it? Like, yes, we, that's the one play that they, it's like, oh, well, we got to just run the clock out now, but we don't really trust a short pass. We don't have a running game. Let's just have Josh run a couple of times. I don't know, man. That doesn't feel like, that doesn't feel like a Super Bowl winning formula to me. So uh, I'm a little worried. You mentioned Zach Wilson. Mike White left the game hurt twice in this game and it was notable that Joe Flacco came in not Zach Wilson Robert Sala said we're gonna get Zach back in the field but apparently not this game so not that I blame him kind of if you're on if you're on the Jets I feel better about that knowing that Flacco is the guy coming in not Zach Wilson but I don't know I I thought Sala was a little conservative at the end of the game yeah I'm not sure they were gonna get this win but I thought they kind of blew their opportunity but takeaway for me is just I'm a little underwhelmed by this Buffalo team. I'm not sure they should be the favorite right now. The, the word Robert Sala used for Zach Wilson was every intention, which doesn't say that doesn't <laughs> convey. Yes, definitely. It's more like a, we intend to, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Houston and Dallas. This one was fun only because the Texans showed up and the Cowboys. I'm thinking classic Cowboys. You're going to be a 10 point plus favorite three straight weeks. We kind of talked about that on the pod previously in the recap episodes, you should be rolling some teams here on your schedule coming up. And here they are Houston, 16 and a half points. I'm sorry about your Texans money line play of plus 1100. They nearly pulled it off, but Dallas got there. I give them this it's Houston. I get it. Long drive ended the game. Dak Prescott handled his business and they punched it in to win the game. Yeah, I mean, not a whole lot to say here. The The Texans showed up. The Cowboys had three turnovers, and that's what kept Houston in the game. It's one of those where the underdog kept making the plays that they needed to just enough, but you kept waiting. Like, is there enough time on the clock? Because we know that the Jaws music. You know, like... The shark is coming. It's just, is there enough time? And it turned out there was about one minute too long for for our Texans money line on that one. 
Like that wasn't even, there was no analysis to that. That is, the analysis is if an NFL game is plus 1100, you take the underdog. That's it. Because yeah. that can happen. The game we just watched can happen. Credit to the Cowboys that they got the win because they kept the division alive and possibly the one seed alive. Not really much else on the game, but this could be a win that ends up really key for a Dallas playoff run if they end up staying alive for that division in the one seed. They don't get there at all without this one. Baltimore-Pittsburgh, classic AFC North slog. Kenny Pickett got hurt, concussion, through one pass. They have to go to Mitch Trubisky, and it's Tyler Huntley and Anthony Brown throwing <laughs> passes in this game. Pittsburgh was a small favorite. The Ravens with Huntley, a dog. They closed it two. It could have got three, but the Ravens went outright. Deontay Johnson had a better game than he's had previously. I don't know how much. I mean, J.K. Dobbins back, 15 carries, 120 yards. Good to have a run game that's not named Lamar Jackson. I guess that's promising when they get him back. I'm not sure what else to take away, though, when your top receiver is Demarcus Robinson and then Deshaun Jackson (laughs) and Mark Andrews still looks like a shell of himself right now. I mean, this is this is the exact script that we expected from a John Harbaugh team without Lamar Jackson. This is what happens. It ended up not being a Tyler Huntley game the whole game because we got Anthony Brown here at the end. But Tyler Huntley now has featured prominently in seven games in his career. All seven games, three points or less. All seven of them, they come down to the end like this. And granted, Steelers need a late touchdown to get it there. That kind of was irrelevant, except to me. Because somehow I got the grand slam on this one. I had Pittsburgh plus four and a half from the look ahead because I love the Steelers underdog spot. Then Lamar Jackson got hurt. The line swung. The Steelers got a big win last week. Suddenly it was Baltimore three and I flipped sides. I took the Baltimore three and I like the under. So from my article, I had a Baltimore three plus the under at plus 264. And then I wanted to get really fancy, so I went for a, you know, I think this game's going to be close. Who'll win the game by six points or less? So if you followed on the app, I had a Baltimore to win by one or six, one to six points, and the under plus eight hundred hit on that one. I bet both sides, so I lost a little bit on the Pittsburgh side, but that late touchdown for me was the grand slam. It hit hit everything right down the middle. So that was my takeaway. Mitch Trubisky played most of the game for Kenny Pickett. Honestly, it was pretty good, except for the three times he threw the ball to the other team. Pittsburgh really should have won this game. They had an interception at the 17, at the 23, at the 46, and they missed a field goal at the 22, and they lost by two. So that late touchdown kind of made up for all the other giveaways there. I don't know. Baltimore, you don't feel good about this team right now, but again, there's a theme here. You don't feel great, but sometimes you just got to get the win. Right. At this point in the year, for sure, you take the wins, you put them in the bag and you move on. And it squashes the opportunity for the Steelers to make the playoffs. They can still get that winning season for Mike Tomlin. They'd have to win out, though. So that's a tall task. But just your classic AFC North slog. I mean, I'm like, yep, that that makes perfect sense. Carolina Seattle was actually pretty entertaining. I thought it was an entertaining game. Sam Darnold was rolling and Dyson. Uh, he was he was okay. I thought he was pretty good in this game. Panthers scored 30 points and they beat the uh, beat the Seahawks in Seattle 30-24. They were dogs in this game plus 3 and a half, plus uh, plus 4. Chuba Hubbard ran the ball well. And Seattle, I, I still thought Geno played pretty well. Um did make some mistakes in this game, but 
This was, uh, I had the under in this game. It felt pretty good with about five minutes left and then <laughs> late touchdown by the Seahawks to make it look more respectable. What'd you think about this one? What's what's the, oh, what am I doing? I, I buried the lead. What's the concern for Seattle Island? Yeah, I think the island has been vacated. The oh, Seattle no. gave this one away. A home game to the Panthers, that Raiders game a couple of weeks ago. The island, I think, is is taking on water at this point. No! Seattle, for the first time in probably a month, is under 50% to make the playoffs now. Steve Kornacki had that 42% on NBC when they did the Sunday night thing. I did hit Seattle Island live plus seven and a half. That late touchdown got me over the hump there. But the, the takeaway here is Seattle's defense stinks. We were right at the beginning of the year. They had a nice little uptick in the middle. They can't tackle. And they got they got clowned in this game, honestly. They got out physicaled by a Panthers team that said, you know what? We're just going to run right at you all game long. Oh, you're making a comeback? Oh, you're in it? We're just going to keep running right at you. You can't tackle us. And they were right. Carolina ran 46 times, 223 yards. They had nearly double the time of possession. By EPA, this was a 97th percentile rushing outcome for Carolina. So they basically, and look, like you said, with Dante Foreman and Chuba Hubbard and not a great offensive line, it's not great. And this has not been new. We saw Josh Jacobs do that. We saw the Buccaneers in Germany not run the ball the entire season or anywhere in the United States. And then they went to Germany and ran all over this team. Seattle, look, Gino was pretty good. Other yeah. than he took three sacks, he took two interceptions. That's part of the Gino package. He's going to make the mistakes because he has to do it all. But I don't know. I, I, we're in trouble. Seattle up next is yeah. San Francisco on Thursday night. And then Kansas City after that. So at Kansas City. At Kansas City. So look, Thursday night, I'll, I'll tell you this right now. This is not my look ahead, but uh, I, I am, I'm stuck here a little bit because I want off the island. I vacated already myself a couple weeks ago. There's a helicopter coming. If you're still out, we're trying to get some people out of here. But look, Seattle on Thursday night is a three and a half point home underdog in a division rivalry game with their season basically on the line in this game you can't come back if you blow this one and then you go to kansas city this is it you're giving more than a fuel goal to the last pick in the draft making his first road start in seattle where they still have a really good home field advantage no debo samuel will get there maybe no nick bosa i might have to go you're back for do one last stand on the island this is not my look ahead but man, is this a really good situational spot? As Seattle, it's now or never. You're gonna do it. I can feel it. Well, not in the <laughs> I know. Pod, I can but, tell too. But <laughs> yeah. But by the um, way, what about Carolina Island? They're only a game back on I the know. Bucks now. They play to close the season: Pittsburgh, Detroit, Tampa, and New Orleans. They control their destiny. They're three and one in the division. I don't believe in this Panthers team at all. Their wins are against three division foes and a terrible division and Denver, who's not good, and Seattle, who is getting exposed a little bit. That's it. That's the five wins. But guess what? You don't have to be good in that division. You just got to be not the worst one. So I don't know. We'll see. 
Let's get to the frozen pizzas. We'll zip right through these. It's not delivery. And it's not exactly pizza either. It's almost pizza. It's very nearly pizza, but not quite. Pizza that's practically pizza in every way, except for a few key ones. Come on, dig in. Most of these games we're going to talk about now coming up. One side, you're like really encouraged, but the other side, it, they, was just so, they were just so bad that you're like, this, this is just not... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. If you're a fan of that team or if you bet that side, you're like, this is great, this and that. But basically you were making positive takes about the team that did well. And then the other team, you're like, wow, they're terrible. Like, what's up with them? Like, what's up with this? The, what's the coach, the quarter, whatever it may be. They're banged up, this and that. Tampa, San Francisco. You've heard by now, Tom Brady, just an underdog against a rookie quarterback for the second time in his career. Vince Young in 2006. He's an underdog to Brock Purdy. In his return to San Fran, his return home, that's where he's from, and they lose 35-7. to 35-7. to seven. So the Niners cover three and a half, and they look just fine. Purdy inserted for, for Jimmy G, and it's the same well-oiled machine, and their defense is damn good. There are some concerns. Debo Samuel got hurt in this game. Yeah, I mean, that's basically it. He, he kind of just wished they had one of those, like, simulate-to-end buttons on this game once he got up <laughs> like that. The, honestly, the whole the late afternoon, the whole late afternoon felt like a simulate to end. It was like I was I was putting the Except dishes the game away. We just talked about. Carolina, yeah, Seattle. Well, that's that's true. That's true. But as as a Seattle Island fanboy, that was one where, for my own sake, I want to simulate to the end and just get off the island and and stop treading water. So, yeah, I, the takeaway for me on this game is this was more about the Bucks than it was the Niners. I think we're going to read a little too much into like, ah, see the Niners. They're great. Brock Purdy, Jimmy Garoppolo, who cares? Doesn't matter. Look, Purdy made one big mistake in this game. He threw an interception. He was ticked. He's stomping off toward the sideline, got called off by a penalty. They went right back to him. The next play, they do a stop and go for Brandon Ayuk, hit him for a 32-yard touchdown. I love that. And you saw the confidence there. Purdy, no sacks, no interceptions five and a half yard depth of target. That's the route. That's what you want to do with your seventh round quarterback is just be the game manager. Let the defense do the defense and let our playmakers do their thing. That's the route. But I, that route is a lot easier when you're playing an offense that can't do anything in Tampa Bay and hasn't done anything for a while now. And a Bucks defense that is, is missing guys and wasn't up to the task here. So to me, this is about Tampa, who's just not good and hasn't really been at any point this season. Uh, I don't know. I'm not raining on the Niners parade. I'm just not ready to crown them after this game either. 
Currently plus 900, the fourth favorite to win the Super Bowl, the San Francisco 49ers with Brock Purdy as their quarterback. Philadelphia, New York Giants. A lot of folks at action were on the Giants to hang around, and this one was also never that close. Eagles 48, Giants 22, Eagles cover the spread. I know you bet in some fashion, you bet the Eagles to to make the Super Bowl and represent the conference on Green Dot Daily. I'm starting to think they're pretty legit. Like, that's two really good performances back-to-back weeks against the Titans. You cover a, a, the spread there. You're a, I think it was, well, it was four and a half, right? So they they got there handedly in this game. Seven, giant, uh, well, maybe maybe your concern is, is it the same as the other game, the game we just talked about? Are you looking at more now? Okay, I know about Philadelphia. Giants are done. Giants make the playoffs. How do we feel? I think a little bit of both here. You know, okay. look, the, the Giants and, and the Titans, back-to-back, comprehensive wins offense defense dominant start to finish wins against playoff teams like fraudulent playoff teams sure we all think so but if that's the case then that's because there's only like six good teams you got to still beat all the other teams and there's a difference here between like we talked about some of the other games where the team like well the cowboys they got through they got the win but it wasn't pretty this is not that this is there's nothing to talk about about the game They ran all over them. They passed on them. The defense destroyed them. I will say this. There was some MVP chance at the game. I suspect Jalen Hurts is going to see his MVP odds get even closer to even odds now. Minus 105. Yeah. Is he the favorite now? I assume he must be. Hurts, Mahomes plus 140, then Burrow, Allen, Tua, and so on. Yeah, so we'll get to Mahomes in a minute. But to me, this game is not why Hurts is the MVP. I think this is why he's not the MVP. And that's not a diss on him. It's because the Eagles are just good. The whole team is good. Okay. The blocking is good. The running game is good. The receivers are good. The defense is great. The coaching is good. Josh Allen is more valuable to his team because of all the reasons we said he has to do everything for them. Jalen Hurts doesn't have to do everything. The Eagles as a team destroyed a quality Giants team that uh, honestly might be at the expiration date. Seven five and a one. They've got Washington, Minnesota, Indy, and Philly left. They probably need two of those wins. I don't I don't know if I see two on there. Like they could get them, but I think I might make them an underdog in maybe all four of those games, depending on how the Colts look when we get there. I think the Giants, this may be I was gonna say the beginning of the end, but we might be a couple of weeks past that. Your Minnesota Vikings, the world. <laughs> the world picks picks against them this week. They open as small favorites early in the week, probably right when we were doing this show a week ago now. Monday morning, I think they were still favorites. Minus one, one and a half. Then that line flips, and the Detroit Lions were minus one. Then they got to minus two. Then they got to minus two and a half before kickoff today. The the world was on this team. And just to give want to give the quick perspective, if you haven't heard this note, I think it's worth repeating. Five and seven Lions favored against the 10 and two Vikings. The last time a team with its starting quarterback and an 80% win rate was an underdog against a team who was under 500. You have to go back, folks, 18 years ago. 18. The Falcons were nine and two with Michael Vick, who was famous at that time for getting on the Madden cover. And he maybe might be the most unstoppable video game player ever in terms of picking a game and a player at a certain position, Michael Vick on the Madden cover in that era was a freaking beast. 
They were one and a half point dogs. That sounds familiar. I guess the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who were four and seven, the Bucs won the game 27 to nothing. Evan Abrams had this note and it, he mentioned it during the week. It, only eight times has this kind of scenario played out and the game's been played in December or later. Those eight teams as favorites, eight and zero straight up, seven zero and one against the spread. It's meaning the underdog won the game and it played out how, that they should cover the spread. They did. And they, they won this game 34, 23, but Hey, lions do it. The luck ran out a little bit. Yeah. I mean, uh, it was interesting listening to the dialogue about this game from like the, you know, on NFL red zone and the folks on TV, like, Oh, wow. Wow. Look Oh, great performance by the lions. They got the win here. No, we can stop being surprised. They were favored. We don't have to be surprised when the team that is favored wins the game. They were favored and won exactly the way that everyone said they would all week. No one was smarter than the next guy. The Lions are good. The Vikings are kind of okay. The Lions are kind of okay. And the Lions were at home and played well. That's it. Like this, I don't even really take too much of a downgrade here on the Vikings. They're kind of what we thought they were. They passed well in this game. Justin Jefferson had a record yardage game. They couldn't stop him. But the difference was the Vikings turned over twice. They were one of two on fourth down, two of four in the red zone. The Lions were more efficient. They were just a good team. Honestly, you could tell me that the Lions are the fourth best team in the NFC right now. Like, it, if we know who the top three is, I don't know why the Lions aren't as good as the Vikings, who should be the fourth answer there. They just beat them by double digits here. Uh, the Lions are good. They're, they're coming. They're only a game back now of Seattle Island for the playoffs. I think they're up to 21% to make. Uh, I look, we did Lions over in the season a couple of weeks ago. They're uh, only a game away from hitting that. I don't know if I need to bet the playoffs yet because the number hasn't been good yet. I've been eyeing it and waiting. Mm-hmm. But week to week, though, this is just a team that you want to play right now. They're playing great football on both sides. I think it's poetic justice a little bit, too, for the Vikings. Their, win, their, their point differential was plus 10 going into this game. <laughs> They lost by 11. So their point differential at 10 and three is minus one. That is freaking weird. That's insane. By by the way, we talked about this one, I think on the podcast last week, because at the time you brought up, I think on the look ahead, would I be on the Vikings here? Because the line was so short is disrespectful. And I I think I said at the time that I thought maybe the Lions even were the better team. And I wouldn't be surprised if they'd win by double digits. So that's not even nihilistic Brandon here. That's just, this is who the Vikings are. This was an even game and uh, the Lions need a little more and they got it. Jamison Williams too. The rookie got his first touchdown. So add another piece to this team. Detroit is dangerous. Three more to get to Jacksonville, Tennessee, the Titans. Whew. I mean, Mike Vrabel sounded really <laughs> deflated in that press conference. They fired their GM after the AJ Brown breakout game against his former team. And you've got Jacksonville in a buy low spot coming in as a dog in this ball game. And they handle their business. And then some 36, 22. Yeah. Huge day for Trevor Lawrence, 368 yards, three touchdowns, one on the ground, huge day for Evan Ingram, apparently because he was playing against me in fantasy in a must win spot, 162 yards and two scores. Thanks for that. Evan Ingram, who I didn't even know what team you're on before this game. The, the takeaway here. <laughs> is that the Titans defense just didn't have the guys, the defense, the injury report, you know, Luke talked about this. This was one of uh, his picks for the game on our yep. podcast and he nailed it. The, the injury report just was terrible. They they're missing 
all four presumed starting linebackers, both cornerbacks in this game. They just didn't have the guys. So, you know, Jacksonville is only two games back now in the division. Jacksonville hosts Tennessee to close the season. So uh, they're hanging around. They have a chance here. They got Dallas next week, so it could be tough, but they they control the tiebreaker. Tennessee is definitely stumbling toward the finish line. We'll see. We'll see. Jags ended an eight-game losing streak in Tennessee with that win today. Cleveland, Cincinnati. This one was interesting more so, I think, from a line perspective, how the line dropped throughout the week when Luke gave out the pick of six and a half on the podcast. You saw four this morning, Cleveland plus four. Bengals won 23 to 10, another underwhelming performance by the Cleveland offense. As we urged people on the pod during the week, keep in mind, you see Cleveland score, whatever it was, 26 points, but they got all of those points from their defense, the way they scored against the Texans. Bengals, hand, and I mean, it's kind of what you said earlier in the, in the podcast. If you're a good team like Cincinnati, just get in, get out, do what you got to do, handle your business. Their defense, though, I think was was pretty daunting once again. Pretty pretty darn good. Yeah, I mean, the Bengals dominated this game. 20-3 to three, and then basically just coasted from there. Deshaun Watson finished at exactly 0.00 EPA per play, which is pretty much how I feel about him at this point. It's not good. They have now played eight quarters with Deshaun Watson. The offense has scored 16 points in eight quarters. So two points a quarter. It's not going to get you very far in the NFL. They're not running the ball well anymore. They're not passing well. It's it's not great. Look, it's been a long time away for him, but it's not good so far. And I think the Browns are still getting a little too much credit on the lines. So you want to keep betting against this team right now. Yep. And they're a three-point favorite at home against Baltimore. That's interesting. Like, what's that like if... If they don't have Deshaun, right? I, I'm just, I can't help but think that way. But maybe that's baked in. I'm not sure. Maybe folks are catching up. Or maybe they want, maybe the bookmakers are like, let's keep thinking. People are like, this is going to be the game for Deshaun to play his best. But for Cleveland also, they're in a situation where their playoff lives are are def- definitely at stake. I'm, I'm pulling it up now. I don't have it in front of me. The, the Browns' playoff lives are when they put that graphic on the screen of playoff odds. They're like the 12th team on the very end where you're like, oh, that's so nice. Thanks for including us on the graphic. That's the Browns' playoff hopes right now. Yeah, and I, I sense Cincinnati would want some revenge the way they got beat on Monday night. And Joe Burrow finally beat them. That's the other takeaway, too. Joe Burrow there finally beats the Browns in his career. Okay, last but not least... Kansas City oh, and least. Denver. It is the least. It is the least. Can't, well, Denver Denver scores 28 points. They deserve <laughs> a little bit of credit. But the one night Joel is not here, he is not here to recap the Denver Broncos and their incompetence because they did trail in this game. 27 nothing, And I, folks, I laughed. I laughed at the TV. <laughs> I really don't have anything to offer you guys except for a frozen pizza. I called Jill a coward on the Best Bets podcast on Thursday because he rags on this team in this very spot, this probably this time of the night, because we always save Denver for last because it's a putrid offense. And what do you know? Russell Wilson kind of played like he did in Seattle. Like, I'll put the team on my back make it interesting, maybe not win the game, which was what kind of occurred down the stretch in his career in Seattle, but at least make it interesting. And folks are just blown away by how great he is at the end for the theatrics and making games close. Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes was not great in this game. He wanted to do everything he could to give it away or get the other team 
being Denver back into it. Chiefs win 34-28. Broncos do cover the spread. I said on Thursday I would eat a frozen pizza on our podcast if the Broncos cover. With Jill being out tonight because he's not feeling really well, I will uphold my end of the bargain. I will deliver. I'm a man of my word. I will eat the pizza in Jill's presence so he can then call me a coward back. But I still thought it was cowardly. And uh, (laughs) that's about it. Chiefs do win, though. I'm not sure what you take away, though. Like, Denver's still bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was basically uh, the, the, the Broncos cover. Jill Jill had it all the way. It's exactly how he planned it. Just go down 27 nothing, and then just, you know, just come on back. The, the takeaway for me was 27 nothing. three minutes till the half. Pat Mahomes throws an interception. Yeah. No big deal, whatever. Broncos score a touchdown. Who cares? Throws another interception. They get another touchdown. They come out of the half with another touchdown. Mahomes throws another interception. The Chiefs didn't blow the game. It's another one of those where the better team hung on to get the win. I think Pat Mahomes might have cost himself the MVP in this game. Good, it's, it's, good point. It is in the conversation now, and that's why you said the odds earlier. That's why the odds flipped here. Three interceptions, not in this game. Like, they won the game, so it's fine. But at the end of the year, when I pull up my stats and I'm an MVP voter and I say, okay, how are these guys doing? Oh, Mahomes has 11 interceptions. Man, that's like second or third in the league. That's not great. Jalen Hurts, he's got way less interceptions. Like that number matters. It actually matters. It's been historically relevant in the vote. I think it was damaging to the MVP case. It is the first time I have genuinely considered Jalen Hurts as a real threat to these AFC quarterbacks. So I think that's the takeaway for me. And of course, Russell Wilson got the big hit late. He left woozy. I'm not sure that we're going to see him anytime soon. Brett Rippon came in for him. Mm-hmm. So if possible, Denver might have gotten worse. By the way, I took the under on this game. Broncos under is 11-1. and one. We nearly hit the over at halftime. So that went oh, well geez. for me. <laughs> I forgot about that too. Yeah, the Broncos under, and that clearly was not the case. So, okay. Well, there you go, Jill. I uh, Honorable mention. We got it in there, and uh, you got the cover, and that's good. So everyone's happy. Oh, and I'll add, I will get the grossest frozen pizza. I'm not going to get one I like. Like I, I, I feel like I got to eat one that's like really nasty and like looks disgusting. That's, you could get that's, one of those Canadian ones with the toppings all falling off of it that Jill posts a picture of. You got to get one of those. So I won't spend a lot of money on it. I'll just get something really cheap. He wants me to eat. <laughs> David says, eat it frozen, not cooked. That's, that's really, that's, that's rude. That's mean. Yeah. I'll just get one. That's really disgusting. I think that's fair. All right. Big week for favorites in week 13. They went nine and four against the number. Well, favorites went four and seven this week. Underdogs bounce back four one outright Ravens, Panthers, Chargers, and Jaguars touchdown favorites one and two against the number Cowboys chiefs didn't cover Eagles did the over hit in seven of 11 games, best bets podcast from Thursday, as we've discussed four, three, and one this week. The one push was the Cincinnati second half pick from Brandon. If you got the two and a half that he also put on the app, kudos. He's got Patriots minus one and a half tomorrow, which is a great segue to Monday night. Patriots and Cardinals from Glendale. The number is still one and a half, Brandon, and the total's at 43 and a half. I guess you're just sitting tight here and letting this one play out, but any developing thoughts from Thursday to now on this game? 
Yeah, we saw in the injury report, uh, Arizona cornerback Byron Murphy is unlikely to play here. He's really important to that defense, so that's a real loss for them. Rondale Moore, one of those re- receiving weapons for the Cardinals, he's unlikely to play. So I, I just I feel pretty good about the Patriots here. This is my favorite spread of the week, and usually it's not the case on a Monday night game, but uh, we talked about this on Green Dot Daily, I think. We talked about this here on my best bet. Let me just lay out the case again here. Bill Belichick had extra time for this game because the Patriots played Thursday. So we got Bill Belichick with extra time in a coin flip against Cliff Kingsbury. You had me at hello. All the Belichick trends, 65% against the spread after a loss, 60% against NFC teams, 65% in toss-up spreads. And then the one stat I love here, after a loss as a seven-point favorite or anything less than that, Belichick is 41 and 11 against the spread, 79% cover rate lifetime. So I just like the Patriots here. The Patriots defense, third in defense, DVOA. Cardinals offense is bottom five on the season. The defense is down to bottom five the last six weeks. Cardinals are 29th in success rate as an offense, play by play against a defense that ranks top five at that. So I don't think that they're going to be able to put together drives here and get down the field on the team. Look, Cliff Kingsbury as an underdog. That's a spot where you've heard me support them before, mm-hmm. but we like them better on the road and we like them better against coaches that have not won a Super Bowl. Well, Bill Belichick, I believe, has won a Super Bowl or 700. So that's not good in this game. Kyler Murray only won one of his last 10 home games. And of course, as Matt Mitchell, our producer, would like us to know, too. It's second half of the season, Cliff Kingsbury. you got to bury Kingsbury down the stretch here. I don't know. The number is short enough that it's the only reason I don't like this a little bit because it makes me be like, what am I missing here? But I just got to ride it. Bill Belichick with extra time to prepare against late-season Cliff Kingsbury. I don't know if I needed to give any other analysis. That's it. Play the Patriots. Belichick's been taking a lot of heat in this town. I live in the Boston area because of the offensive play calling, and it looked okay on Thanksgiving night against Minnesota. The way they looked last week was not very good, which was against which is against Buffalo, right? Buffalo right. is their last game. That feels like forever ago. Wow. It does. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah, Matt Patricia taking a lot of heat as the offensive play caller for the Patriots. For me, it just comes down to – like, I don't know. I don't I don't love the Patriots offense. I don't love Mac Jones. I don't love what they're doing there. Whoever is calling the plays, I don't feel great about it. But the Cardinals defense doesn't scare me. And the Cardinals, like, whoever is calling plays for the Patriots, anybody, like Nathaniel Hackett could call plays that would improve this Cardinals offense. Joe Lombardi could call plays that might improve this Cardinals offense. Like, they, what are they doing? They have great receivers. They have a great quarterback. And they just throw these stupid bubble screens and sideways crap all game. It's like, this is not the big 12 Kingsbury, like learn how to play offense in the big leagues. And he just never has. And this is Bill Belichick. This is as big leagues as it gets with a defense. That's been very good. They pressure the quarterback. They don't allow long drives. I just think Belichick's defense is the answer here for whatever other questions will be asked. If I had to guess, if Jill was going to give out an anytime touchdown pick, which I think he will on Green Dot Daily, I'm trying to make a, a well thought out assumption. AJ Green plus 1100. No Rondale Moore. AJ Green's a red zone guy. That's where I feel like he might go tomorrow. 
That's just a hunch. I'm guessing. I don't want to steal Jill's thunder. I don't want to put words in his mouth. Okay. And the favorite to, by the way, score a touchdown tomorrow is Ramondre Stevenson, minus 160. The guy that came to my mind, I don't give me the odds on this one. I, I'm not a touchdown guy. So I'm just, I'm throwing a dart here. But John U. Smith, the backup tight end, give me like a goal line, Plus long shot touchdown. All Plus right. 550. All right. That's my guy, John U. Smith. Let's see if we can pull one through. We're missing Jacoby Myers, that security blanket, like you mentioned. And, you know, we get those kind of play action, goal line, throw it to the backup tight end. Cardinals are historic. The Cardinals have been horrible, horrible against tight ends for years now. So I think that's a good spot for it. Let's get to the hot read for week 15. Then we'll get out of here and we can say good night. Hot rock. Blue 17. Nice right. Ice cream. Jose. Luna Raiders. 19. Louisville Soul Train. Hot. What is your pick? I know you talked about or attempted to go with Seattle, which <laughs> by the way, I just saw the the tweets from our coworkers giving you a hard time about Seattle Island. I'm I'm chuckling and I also feel bad. Um it's kind of funny. Uh it, it's funny. You- it's funny. And I didn't play it today. I, when I played it, I played live and I won money off of it. So you can make fun of Seattle Island all you want. We made a lot of money at the island and we might go there again on Thursday. It's not a hot read because, as you know, Brendan, the hot read is about grabbing the line before it moves, and the line is not going to move toward uh, Seattle. It's not going to give us Seattle any problems here. We can get that line anytime we want this week because ain't nobody want to bet on Seattle Island this week against the hot 49ers. So That's we'll right. see if I talk myself into that one. Keep an eye on the app. The line I want to grab right now for the line move is I teased this a little bit earlier. I don't buy this Panthers team. I'm going to Carolina, and I'm taking the road Pittsburgh Steelers. I see a plus two and a half out there. Give me the points because I liked the Steelers spot before the game. This was almost one of my look-aheads, but I didn't know if Pittsburgh for sure would get the win against Baltimore. Those games are always tough. And here's the thing. After beating the, the Ravens the week after that, the Steelers in our system are 6-12 and 12 against the spread. Mike Tomlin, after beating the Ravens, 4-11 ATS. After losing to the Ravens, which is what happened, 11-5 ATS. That's the big rivalry game. So either you have the letdown after you won, or you have the, oh, no, you didn't. We're getting this back after you lost. We got the after-the-loss effect now. I'm not going to call this a rah-rah Tomlin underdog spot. It's the Panthers. It's Sam Darnold. So let's not make too big of an underdog spot here out of this. Still an underdog, though. So the number is still there. 40 and 17 against the spread for Tomlin. Week 5 forward as an underdog. I did look into it, though. After losing in the division and then being an underdog the following game, Tomlin is 6-0 and lifetime against the spread. Has won outright all six of those games. So you lose in the division, you're an underdog the next game. Mike Tomlin undefeated straight up and against the spread as an underdog. So I like the Steelers. The, Raver, the, the Panthers won today. Why? Because they were physical and they ran it right at you and said, hey, we're going to play big boy football and beat you. And Seattle putts down. They couldn't do it. Guess who you can't do that against? The Steel Curtain ever. In the history of football, can you play big boy football and punk the Steelers? It's not going to happen. Their defense is good. We've talked about the TJ Watt thing. The run D is good. That game plan 
run the ball right up the middle and just try to hope they can't tackle us. Not going to work against Pittsburgh. And I don't think Sam Darnold and Steve Wilkes have too many other answers. So I think Pittsburgh goes on the road. I'll take the win. I'll take the cover. We're going to hit our Steelers over next week in season when they get that win. It's all happening for us. Don't buy into the Panthers. I don't see it. Do you care who the quarterback is for Pittsburgh? I don't. That's a good question. In fact, I'll say this. Mitch Trubisky has honestly been pretty fine this season. Like he's He's been good. He's honestly been better than Kenny Pickett. So I, I don't know that I even make that too much of a downgrade. I should have mentioned that because you're right to ask it. But I think that the question mark there is maybe buying us a little bit of value as well. I feel okay. Trubisky was quite good today. He had three interceptions. Those are not good. Those are very bad, very bad plays. But all the other plays, they move the ball pretty well. The passing game has been honestly better when Trubisky was under center this year. Like when they made that switch, I thought it was a bit, you know, like that was, we're, we're going to pick it eventually anyways. Let's just do it. But I, I don't know that that was a performance-based thing. He's been, he's been good. He's good for Buffalo last year. He's been pretty solid for them. The receivers are good. I, I don't really mind. I feel pretty good with either quarterback. I mean, the quarterback is not why I'm picking them. So right. I'm I not figured. really too worried about it either way. I figured it, it, your analysis sort of pointed to that, but had to ask. And Mike Tomlin did say post game that Kenny Pickett is in the concussion protocol, left it at that. That was about it. So, yeah, I, I will say I, I would expect Trubisky that like, I, I am taking this pick assuming Trubisky. And honestly, again, that makes me like it a little better because I think that that opens up the game a little more and, and Trubisky is processing has been a little faster than Pickett's as well. All right, that's going to do it. We'll get you out of here, folks. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Week 14 NFL Recap episode. We are presented by FanDuel, the Action Network podcast for David Payne, our producer, Brandon Anderson. Joe Gallant will join us next week. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel.